Warning! The following podcast contains strong language, which some listeners may find offensive. If you do... Up yours! That's only if you don't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, not up yours. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Untitled Wrestling Podcast. It is Tuesday, you know what that means, it's me here, your boy Big Tasty. I'm joined as always by Jay, and today we have a very special guest for an interview, it is... But Warhorse. It's Warhorse, and you better believe it's not just another episode. It's not just a good episode, not a great, not a grand, but the best episode you've ever heard. Now sit down, shut your mouth, clean out your ears, because you're about to get some good-ass podcast. I'm fucking terrified. Yeah, good. Let's <laughs> keep it that way. And I'm, I'm not going to I'm not gonna do the voice the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I couldn't. Um, so first and foremost, most obvious question, what made you to decide you want to become a professional wrestler? So... It was, I had a random VHS tape. I don't know how I got it. It was from a family friend, but it was Invasion 92. And the first match was like Hulk Hogan versus Typhoon. And so it was seeing Hulk Hogan body slam Typhoon and just whipping the shit out of him. I mean, and and plus this was like 97 whenever I was watching this tape. So like Hulkamania had long been a thing. Like this was... NWO was taken off and all that shit. So all I saw was like the red and yellow and never saw, I was never up late enough to see Hulk Hogan on Nitro. Like I would fall asleep before he'd come out. So I had no idea he was like a heel at the time. So you only saw like the kid friendly Hogan. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it worked, it worked. <laughs> that's the first time anyone's ever mentioned Typhoon and how did you get into wrestling story? Yeah. So that, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So the, the second match on the, on the tape was Ric Flair versus Bret Hart. And I, as a kid, I hated that match because it took too long. <laughs> but now it's like the, I, the complete opposite of like I wouldn't. I, <laughs> the Hulk Hogan match is so fucking lazy, and then and then the Bret Hart Ric Flair is like a technical masterpiece. Yeah, that leads very nicely into the next question. Oh shit! Which wrestlers do you draw the most influence from? Oh man, I absolutely love the Legion of Doom. The Road Warriors have inspired me so much. Uh, I've actually had a chance to meet Animal a few times, and then. Uh, before he passed, uh, so he passed away maybe less than a month after his uh, birthday, right? Yeah. I was supposed to cut a video for, like, he, the, the manager of his was getting together a bunch of video footage to put together a birthday message. And I was supposed to record something for that, but I lost track of time, and I was like, oh, man, I could, I could get something together, but I'll see him down the road. It's fine. And then, like, a few, few weeks later, he passed away. So that, that aided me for a bit, but then... The, the manager, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I'm really sorry about not getting the message to you and all that stuff. And he told me that like Animal really liked my stuff and that that meant a lot. So at least at least I know that he he liked my shit. And then I made uh, I had I was restoring weight plates and stuff at the time. And I made like Hawk and Animal Road Warriors weight plates. Oh, nice. And he, <laughs> apparently he saw me really thought those were cool. Yeah. So the uh, the thing you did on uh the show like after he passed away like painted face like yes yes that was very cool and then man so we're we're on the show right and i had this idea sitting on the back burner maybe i should bust it out during this tour but uh i had where i was climbing the top rope my opponent cut me off and i crouched on the top rope right my opponent climbed up and the referee 
kind of told him, no, no, no. He got down and kind of pushed the referee. He got up, referee pulled him down and said, no, 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 because he was, you know, breaking the five count. So he shoved the referee, referee landed on his butt. He gets back up, referee gets underneath him, pulls him back, steps <laughs> out, and then we did the doomsday device. <laughs> and it was the biggest pop of the night, and it was like the, the weekend right after he passed, and it, that... <laughs> That was a cool fucking reaction. Yeah, yeah. Man, absolutely. Is there anyone else as well? Other than uh, definitely Sting. Uh, I started, like I said, it was like 97 when I started watching wrestling. So Crow Sting was the first version of him that I saw. And then as I got older, I started to look at like Surfer Sting. And he is underrated with how artistic he is for how many different paint like styles and whatnot he did. He should really consider just doing paintings and selling them. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people would buy that shit. Yeah, especially service thing. Like, you don't realize until you like, go back on that. Yeah, bit. did you so, ever see the... They had a thing on the network, uh, which I found out you guys have a network. They took that shit from yeah, us. Yeah, we got it the proper one. We got the proper one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, For what now. is this shit? Get, so get they, a VPN. That'll sort dude, of, I'm going to have to. VPN. I want to get us a sponsorship while we're here. Yeah, come on. <laughs> come on, Nord. What are you waiting on? But <laughs> So, they have a thing on the network of, like, Sting... During that time period in 95, I think he was getting ready for a match with, like, Big Bubba. And he, it just showed him putting on his paint and being a genuine guy. And then him and Macho Man going back and forth to shooting the shit. Dude, it's, it's so incredible. good. Yeah. It's And then they actually have the match right after. So it's like, it flows very well. And seeing that definitely made me think, okay, I'm on the right path, thinking all the right stuff. Yeah. So obviously, t- looking at, talking about the influence you mentioned there, a lot of, a lot of face paint. Like that was yes. To think did that sort of just subconsciously believe? Yeah, through, I just, or? I I'm not a fan of the Ultimate Warrior. I never really have been. Like I somehow I ended up with the Ultimate Warrior DVD at my house, and I don't know how. But um, so if anybody comes to my house and they see that, just <laughs> don't assume that <laughs> just, I automatically just, just, just like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I liked I liked the face paint. I like the over the top and the loud aggressive gimmicks and and whenever i started doing this particular gimmick i was kind of looking at the landscape of wrestling and it was a weird time period because it was the middle of 2019 AEW had been announced and they had already done all in right well i had a lot of friends get signed and picked up and i was always like a good wrestler and on shows with them and like the matches you know i was like a wrestler's wrestler at the time and i was like what the fuck am i missing that uh, what what am I missing that that's keeping this company from bringing me up with my friends? You know what I mean? So I started looking at what what the landscape of indie wrestling was, and nobody was cutting promos. Nobody was doing 80s-style promos. Nobody was doing face paint. Like, me and Danhausen had the same idea at the same time. And just, just kind of looking at the lay of the land of, like, nobody's doing, like, a, a gimmick... Uh, I was very inspired by like PCO and like Mance Warner and people mm-hmm. like that because they were just doing these over the top cartoony gimmicks, but still having killer matches. And it's like, okay, that shit can work nowadays. So it inspired me to try my own thing and it worked. Yeah. So yeah, you actually started off like more of a Viking, didn't you? And then yeah, transitioned so into originally, the 80s, heavy metal. Yes. Originally it was the uh, Viking War Party. It was me. Alex Herzog and then Frank Wyatt and we used to go around and I don't know how people still haven't stolen some of our trios moves that we did. We used to do like double power bomb, top rope, lung blower. 
Oh, sweet. We did that. We would do like, they would both hook for the double choke slam and put them on their knees, right? So like double backbreaker choke slam, hold them there. I'd come off the top, double stop, and it would flip the guy over their knees and shit. It was killer. If you ever get a chance, go look at like old highlights and stuff. It was cool. But we did that for like two years, first two years of my career. And it started to get us a little momentum in North America to where we had done... By the time I was like two or three years into wrestling, I had already wrestled in Mexico. I'd already wrestled for Beyond Wrestling, FIP down in Florida, uh, Jersey All Pro. We had already wrestled on the West Coast, and we were getting pretty, pretty well known. And that <laughs> we were getting well known as the guys that lived in a van, basically, because we were hitting the road three nights a week. And then uh, eventually, Frank, he was having. Uh, he was unemployed at the time, but he had a lot in savings. Well, by the time he was, he was, he was running dry in his savings account. So he had to decide whether he wanted to keep wrestling or whether he wanted to keep his house. Yeah, so right. obvious choice there. <laughs> then it was me and Alex for a little while. And it was, it was fine, but it wasn't the same as like the three of us. The three of us was like a spectacle. Cause we'd come in and raise hell. And I was the littlest Viking, even though I'm like six foot. And they, nobody realized that they were both like six five, right. so so it was very. A lot of people thought that I was like a dwarf or something, but um, whenever Frank left, it was just a big guy and a little guy, so it wasn't the same dynamic as it was two big guys and a crazy little guy. So eventually, we just kind of sat down, realized it wasn't working, and uh, I needed to come up with a new gimmick. So I started doing Warhorse Jake Parnell. Um, which was right before what I'm doing now. So it was like maybe six years ago. I did it for about two years and I wanted to do like a, a, a Ronin type thing, so which a Ronin is just like a, a Japanese swordsman who lost his clan and is on his own now. But I wanted to do a Viking version of it because I was a Viking and I'd lost my clan and now I'm on my own. So I had like the... <laughs> The Kenta Kabashi robe and shit, which was awesome, and I need to get another one made. But I was going around doing that for a while, and it wasn't until I wrestled for CZW that I realized, like, okay, maybe I do need to change what I'm doing. Because um, that, that was the first, like, light bulb to go off, because I was doing good promos there, right? And I was having good matches, and uh, they they kept having me back until the third time I was there. Then the third time they were like, yeah, we don't know what to do with you. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you cut good promos, you have good matches, but we are bringing you in from Missouri, which is like 13 hours away, when we could be bringing in someone who does the same stuff and nothing you do really stands out. Um, we could bring somebody in from literally a state away. So I had to sit and think. It's like, okay, well, if these fucking idiots don't know what to do with me, maybe I'm the problem. Okay. And that was a, a big step into coming up with the gimmick awesome um so uh i'm gonna just kind of transition to a different question here because troy but troy is one of the guys who we do the podcast with us put uh favorite 80s bands so favorite just 80s? to go from Shit. <laughs> just oh to go God. from uh, how do you, the heavy metal to the heavy metal how do you how do you pick from so many good acts of the 80s and then what 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 counts as an 80s band is it a band that started in the 80s 
because technically Sabbath was in the 80s. Yeah. And technically Iron Maiden was in the 80s, even though they started in, what, 78? They started in 78. I mean, you could, yeah. say, I mean, you could say, like, a band that had the, the sort of golden era in the 80s. Like Maiden's... That's best, every band. But, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, Maiden's, like, golden run of albums came in the 80s, didn't it? So, yeah, like, and then, like, Metallica formed in 84. And, it was, I mean, there was so much shit in 84. But... Oh, man, that's so tough. I don't know. Can I do, like, a top five? Oh, absolutely. For for my personal top five, I would have to say... Oh, man. Five's not even enough. (laughs) Do do you want to do ten? All right, we'll do ten. We'll do We got to get fucking Priest in there. We got to get Motorhead in there. We got to get Maiden. I swear I'm not just going to do British bands. (laughs) Uh, I would say I'll give some love to some Canadian thrash. I love Razor. Razor's so fucking good and underrated. Do you, are you guys familiar with no, Razor? No, no. Oh, well, I will man. listen to it. Dude, the, guy, the guy's voice, his nickname is Sheepdog, and his voice sounds like a motorcycle doing a burnout when he hits <laughs> high notes, dude. It's fucking intense. That I love incredible. it. And then, like, one of their albums is called Shotgun Justice. So, Fair. just to give you that, an that's idea. A, that's a good band name, to be Dude, that's a, that is. It's fantastic. <laughs> man, maybe... That, We'll put a pin in that one. We'll put a pin in that one. <laughs> so uh, we got, what do we got? Motorhead, Priest, Maiden, Razor. I'm going to go ahead and throw Exodus on there. Got to have Exodus. Got to have fucking uh, Overkill on there. I fucking love Overkill. They're thrash from New Jersey. And then uh, I, we'll put Metallica and then Megadeth's got to come shortly after because I fucking love Megadeth. I was like a closet Megadeth fan in high school because I thought people the the people that I hung out with I thought they just hated fucking Megadeth because Dave Mustaine was so whiny about everything (laughs) so which is understandable I definitely get why people wouldn't like that but then I started listening to more of his shit and I'm like okay this is fucking awesome yeah and then we got a slap slayer on there and then I want to say Anthrax, but that's so typical to put like the big four. So you've, got, you've gone three of the big four there. Like, yeah, you, exactly. You, you might as well go all the way. I, I, but 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 I feel I feel oh Wasp. Wasp, okay. Wasp, I fucking yeah. love Wasp. And if there's an eleventh, uh, I gotta put Dokken on there. I fucking love Dokken so much. I like Dokken. Dokken is great. I'm just gonna name every band that's on my fucking vest. <laughs> I am. Oh shit! I didn't say Venom or King Diamond or fucking. Uh, can we? <laughs> We'll save it for a season. So obviously, <laughs> as we've just established there, there's you know when, when people say in wrestling like the best gimmicks are just like you turned up to eleven. And yeah, like Warhorse is just like a super heavy metal fan. Yes, yes, and, and, that's, and that is just you yeah, as, as yeah, a person yeah. anyway. So. And so I was I was definitely into heavy metal in high school, right? And I was looking into all the facts and figures and everything, you know, learning guitarists and shit. But then by the time I got out and started wrestling training, I didn't have money to go to shows, and I didn't have time to like listen to music because I was in the car with other people so they were they hadn't control of the radio and my trainers had punk rock gimmicks so it was either punk rock or it was fucking outlaw country weirdly enough that's just because America but I listened to a lot of outlaw country and shit sometimes Pantera would come on right. and I was digging that shit but uh I didn't have a lot of time to go to shows or time to listen to, to metal like I did when I was younger until I started this job where I was stocking beer so then I would like, they said, don't put your headphones in, but I'm a hard ass. So I put my headphones in <laughs> and I started getting back into metal and I started listening to bands like that, that I, I knew their big hits, you know, like Danzig had mother and shit like that. So then I was like, okay, what if I listen to the whole album and see what's up? And then I actually started listening to like full Danzig albums and full like anthrax. I'd never given like the time of day. Cause I heard fucking 
Indians and then Madhouse, and I was like, ah, eh, this is okay, but not, not, not really my thing, until I listened to the rest of the fucking album. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, fuck, you never see anybody doing like heavy metal gimmicks anymore. And, and I've always loved Venom, so like I love the look of like leather and studs and shit like that, and then I fucking love Kiss. Oh my god, can we add, we gotta add Kiss to the list. <laughs> well, no, actually not for 80s. I love, I love their shitty hits, but that's not Kiss. 80s Kiss is not, not quite Kiss. But uh, no, I just love like, like the over-the-top presence and how, how they, they just like stood, off, stood out in a lineup of people. If you saw like all the bands that we named and then you saw Gene Simmons standing there, your eyes are automatically going to be drawn to Gene Simmons. And it's like, man, I want that. I want to yep. be able to be put on a flyer and people still, a flyer full of wrestlers. There's jacked people, there's big dudes, there's small dudes. And then all of a sudden their eyes are drawn to this wacky dude with face paint on. You know what I mean? Like that's just the point of standing out and being over the top is very appealing to me. And I was like, there's no heavy metal version of that. There's a lot of metal people. And there's a lot of people that try to try to have heavy metal as part of their gimmick. But they're always like deadpan serious instead of like, you know, here to have fun and can get wild and still have cool killer matches and shit. But, you know, for the most part, just like take themselves way too fucking seriously. Yeah. yeah. Just really take the gimmick like over the top and like. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, exactly. Because heavy metal is just over the top. That's Dude, like, it is. That's the whole point of heavy metal. Yeah. And then I originally I wanted on my first robe that I had, I wanted to I had this skull on a chain right and it was like a horse skull and i wanted to put like a smoke machine in there and i was like okay how can i make a smoke machine and i started looking it up and then i realized like a, a lot of them are like made out of vape pens so i realized like i can't take this on a plane because it's going to be like a vape pen wrapped in electrical tape with like wiring and shit this is gonna look like i'm a fucking and it and it produces smoke they're gonna think it's a fucking bomb and i can't do that <laughs> But yeah, that's that's pretty much how I got back back into metal and listening to the shit that I, I personally like, and then I've expanded on it since. But because of how many concussions and shit I have, it's really hard for me to remember like band members' names and shit like that. <laughs> so that sucks. So don't fucking quiz me about specific metal <laughs> questions, especially if you put me on the spot. I'm gonna look like a fucking doofus. <laughs> Fair enough. It's all good. Um, so moving on then. Um, Basically, with you saying standing out, how much has social media helped you uh, as an independent wrestler? I can't begin to explain how good social media has been to me. And it's not just because, like, some people say they're good at Twitter. And that's not, that's, I think that's a bullshit excuse for, like, not getting over. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, well, Warhorse is just good at Twitter. No, I'm good at, like like making people feel something even if they hate my shit even if they sit there and they're like warhorse is the worst fucking thing i hate that gimmick they still feel something nobody's indifferent about what i do um social media has given me a way to show everything that i have to fans and then when they like it they'll share it to other fans and then it just grows from there and that's you know without without social media i shouldn't call it social media i said without without direct contact to the fans i wouldn't have had a match on AEW. And I, I personally feel like I owe all my fans a huge debt of gratitude. And I was nervous about coming over here because of it, because I didn't know if I had any fans until fucking two shows in a row. I had fans running up to me full sprint, screaming war horse at me. And then like a fan gave me a painting in Ireland and stuff. And then uh, on the show, the first show I had here in Britain, 
that uh, two fans came from Germany just to come see me and shit. So I'm very excited to see what the rest of the tour is like. But none of that would have happened without social media. And it's not it's not just about funny tweets and stuff. It's about tweeting things that that are interesting and capturing people's interest and giving people a reason to care about you. And I've been able to do that through promos and videos and what I what I call bumpers, which is just like what Warhorse is like in day to day life. And uh, if it wasn't for being able to show that, I don't know how myself would have gotten over. Danhausen would have gotten over. Like a lot of people on mainstream TV would have gotten over, because what what social media is to me. Sorry, this is a really long winded fucking. No, no, it's cool, man. But uh, you know how like in the '80s they had uh, on WCW, Ric Flair would just cut promos and just kind of fill time with promos, but still get the fuck over, right? But you you learned more about Ric Flair from the promos than you did the matches because yeah, he could do like all of his stuff where he's cowering down and then he cheats, but you learn why he cheats. What it's more than just a belt to him. It's a lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. everything that comes with that belt gives him his place in society. So without those promos, you would have never known that he would have just been a dude in a robe, just yeah. kind of like doing a funny walk sometimes. And also like, it's a great way to stay relevant cutting promos is because stone cold had his neck broken by owen hart but he did those videos at his ranch where he was just talking about guns and drinking beer and like threatening cameramen and stuff and and that was a great way for him to stay relevant and still get the fuck over and he didn't even have to bump and that's the best part too you can do all this stuff during the week whenever uh we're not having matches too 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 many people focus on eight to ten minute matches in the ring on the weekends they don't think about all the other time of how they can give give the fans what they want and a new character and all this all this stuff basically does that make sense yeah it's like, it's, like, it's like the connective tissue isn't it like it's, yes it's exactly and obviously like you said with social media now the, the great thing is you don't have to wait for a camera crew you've got mm-hmm. your camera in your pocket yeah if you're ready, you're ready to, whenever you get an idea yeah you can just do it straight away okay. camera in the pocket face paint in the bag you're ready <laughs> <laughs> that actually kind of like leads ne- nicely into this next question then really yeah. What gave you the idea to do like a lot of the bits you were doing, like shooting the breeze with Breeze Horse, was kind of like one of my first <laughs> real introductions to like a different side of it. And I'd like literally like be scrolling through Twitter, like see that and just be pissing myself off. And so, just... so the whole shooting the breeze with Breeze Horse was funny because uh, it was at the very beginning of pandemic, and there were a lot of wrestlers saying that now they have to go back to their nine to five jobs. And fortunately, another great thing from social media, I didn't have to. Uh, because my fans are the best fans in the world. Uh, they supported me through it, got merchandise and things like that. But that wasn't the case for a lot of wrestlers. And for, for a short time towards the beginning, when I came up with that idea, I thought I was going to have to go get a normal job, um, which was also going to be hard because everything was shut down. So the the whole concept was, okay, what would a job be that Warhorse would absolutely fucking hate, but is just like a normal job? And then I thought, what's the opposite of what he does? Well, he's this loud, bombastic person. So Yacht Rock, just like soft, <laughs> soft rock tunes. And then I always love talking in the over-the-top heavy metal voice. So to do something to go from heavy metal voice that everybody expects comes out of you, and then you go into this nice, gentle, <laughs> gentle, soft voice, it's just the complete opposite. And you can tell that, like, Warhorse the gimmick would fucking hate it a hundred percent that he had to go do that for a job. Like, what's the most degrading thing? Working at a soft rock radio station. <laughs> yeah, 
So that that's where that idea came from. And I always know whenever I have like a good idea for a video because I can't sleep the night before. Because I just keep thinking about how I can make this great, make this great, make this great. And I think it got like 3,000 views or something. Or no, 3,000 likes and like 30 or 40,000 views just because just because of how different it was. Especially with everybody being like bleak and sad and upset at the time. That's why I try not to... Try not to talk about politics too much or like religion too much. Uh, I will talk about like basic human rights and things like that, but uh, I try not to do that because I don't want to deter fans from my stuff. I want to have something that anyone can enjoy and nobody feel like they can't enjoy it because I'm a certain way. This okay. is this is supposed to be where you turn your brain off and you just watch. Yeah, my shit. Especially in, yeah. in like 2022 and for the last couple of years, there's, mm-hmm. there's enough to worry about in the world, isn't there? Yeah. Like pro wrestling for a lot of people. I know during the pandemic. Like pro wrestling was fantastic. Like the way like AEW kept going, and, yeah, and, you know, and stuff like that. And it just really gave people something to like sort of hang their hat on, like every mm-hmm. week, a little, just a little bit of certainty, a little bit of. I of, talked with uh, a lot of a lot of promotions like that received a lot of money during the pandemic, and then once the things started to lighten up to where people could come out, um, there there's a local comic shop to me where. They, they're wrestling fans there too. So I go in and I sit there and talk to them for a while. And they told me some of their best business was during the pandemic because people got bored and then they were just like looking for hobbies to do. And they got into their old hobbies of like collecting comic books was the main one that, that we were talking about. But they they talked about how they were doing record business during, during the pandemic just because everybody was just looking for something to turn their brain off with. Yeah. And I think wrestling even though we're slow we're still at the point where we're slowly getting back into it i still think wrestling is going to boom again which is another reason why i came over here because i definitely want to be one of the helping hands that brings it up back where it was yeah yeah british wrestling in particular feels like it's on something of an upswing now like you said it's not quite it is yeah yeah but i think i think by the beginning of next year it will be and that's it's going to take not just myself, but there's a lot of American interest. I've seen a lot of people announce tours. Uh, GCW's coming over, yeah. and then also ICW has announced that they're going to be doing something soon. I don't know what the dates are on that one. Is that all up in Newcastle, did you say? Yeah, it's with Rise in Newcastle. They've not announced the date yet. They literally just announced it last Yeah, week. they, they yeah. just announced it. So it's like a lot of Amer- – I know other Americans that are planning tours and stuff, so there's a lot of people trying to come over here just because they know that, like – not only is now a good time to get in, but you guys are such a good fan base over here and so ravenous. And I, me personally, I feel like wrestling got taken away from you guys and, and it wasn't really up to the fans. Well, that's it. Because like, obviously, for, for obvious reasons, WWE hasn't run here since like 2019. Yeah. AEW hasn't done anything here yet. Obviously, yeah. they're probably in the works. But it's just, yeah, there's just like this, this like rabid between, desire for wrestling mm-hmm, in this country. Between, no. between those two things you just mentioned, I know the speaking out movement was was big over here just like it was in the states and then you had nxt uk signing up all the indie talent to where it was like you guys had put your faith all the eggs in the basket and then and then the basket fell yeah to where now now and i i even whenever i first announced my tour dates some some american fans were like why would he go over there there's nothing over there and it's like just because all these bad things happened in a row doesn't mean that you guys don't deserve good wrestling like the fans here deserve wrestling just as much as any other fucking fans, and I wanted to be a part of it to try and give you guys everything that I have because I know that you, your unwavering support is more important to me than any fucking financial value. 
Like that's that's what it is to me at the end of the day. Because if it, if it wasn't for my fans, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. And you guys had a lot of shit taken from you, so I just want you guys to get back what I feel like you you should have never had taken. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, so with well, obviously a lot of that kind of stemmed from the pandemic. Uh, how did you manage to stay motivated throughout it? Um, it was hard. So I'll, I'll disclose a little bit of personal information. Uh, my stepdad, he's passed since, but he was diagnosed with cancer at the very beginning of pandemic. So it was rough at the get-go, um, especially sitting at home, un- technically unemployed because I had just switched to wrestling full-time. I did it for about three months and then it stopped. So I had basically to rely on the fans to pay my bills and I hated that feeling of like just shilling out stuff that I myself didn't I I didn't feel like I was taking advantage of fans but I didn't want to feel like I was getting close to that you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's not if I don't have something to provide there there's no reason that you guys should give me money um but I had no job stepdad diagnosed with that no no shows running and then all i could do was make videos and then leading up to the cody match i'd actually burnt myself out on making videos um so it took me up until december to make more videos and anytime i did it wasn't me having fun with good ideas it was i have to do this because this is what made me popular and then it made me not want to do it anymore so going into 2021 it is 2022 now right yeah. yes yes it's, 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 it's all crap. a fucking blur like, <laughs> dude i swear i feel like i've been here a month today is a week today yeah. is one week but beginning of 2021 um things started to open up a bit and i had like three shows cancel uh, out of a two-month span so that gave me like two shows left one each month and one show that canceled i canceled on them because uh, my stepdad, like I said, had cancer. I go to this show in Wisconsin and I'm not going to name the promotion's name or anything because this was just a big misunderstanding. Uh, Wisconsin did not have mask regulations at the time and we didn't know what we know now about everything. Um, but they didn't have mask regulations. So I panicked because the, the crowd starts coming in and I'm at the merch table and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I get to see like like, it looks like a real indie show. And then I start looking around. I'm like, there's no fucking masks here. I got to get the fuck out of here. So I panic. I tell the promoter, like, I have to go. And it's not just because I'm worried about myself getting COVID. I'm worried about possibly catching something and bringing it to my stepdad or possibly quarantining for two weeks if I was positive and, and something happening to my stepdad in two weeks. Because around that time, I think it was the following week, he got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And it was metastatic. So... Once once that happened, I started focusing on like, okay, I got to take care of my stepdad. He was really out of all my parents. He's the he's the one that uh, supported me the most in wrestling. And it was never it was never a, a maybe with with becoming successful. It was just a matter of when. And it was cool. And not besides just wrestling, like he was a great father figure to me, too. But um, I was over at their house two to three days a week. I had moved my weights over there. And then uh, eventually I started smoking cigars and stuff like that too, to help cope with like dealing with helping him out and shit because his health went south real quick and um, there were no shows going on. And then I had a, a wedding to go 
to me and my wife, Tammy, she's, I love my wife so much. We went to get married out in Las Vegas and it, uh, come to find out like a lot of things went wrong. Nothing between me and her. And that's probably the best part is that like all this shit, all this shit was happening and me and my wife were on the same page the whole time. So I know I married the right fucking woman, (laughs) but, but we get back. It's like, boy, that wedding, like a lot of the stuff fell apart man, my stepdad is, is not doing well, man, there's no fucking shows. And then I think the first show back, I got a concussion. And then I was like, I don't feel like doing videos. I don't feel like doing fucking anything. I didn't get signed by AEW. Like, I think I'm going to fucking quit. I don't know what I want to do, but I don't know if it's this anymore. Like I didn't have my heart on it. And then I had a conversation. I was just so happened to be on a show with Mike Bennett, right? He's out there running his seminar with these students. I go sit in this room and I'm like, okay, I'm going to come up with video ideas and I'm going to record these cameos because I had my cameo active at the time. And I was like, I'm going to do these videos for the fans because they deserve it. They want this. I'm going to give them what they want. Um, And then I, I couldn't think of any videos and I sat in that room by myself for a fucking hour couldn't think of anything and i was like yep this pretty much reaffirms it i might just cancel or i don't believe in people saying they're done and then canceling their dates i feel like people should honor all the dates that they did because it's your fucking word but i was like i might just honor the dates and then get the fuck out of the business so went back in the locker room started i don't know how i started shooting the shit with mike bennett but he was just so positive and, and i was like i started to open up to him about everything about everything that i just told you guys and and he was just like no you need to wait through it dude i fucking love your shit and the first the first thing i noticed was this dude has been with wwe he's been with ring of honor he's been with impact he's done numerous things and he likes my stuff so it's like okay so maybe maybe i'm just like down on myself about my shit and then he starts telling me how all, all the things that i am doing right and then the things that you know i could work on and i'm just like just just pumping me up and gassing me up to where it's like I needed that right then and there. And if Mike Bennett had not been at that show, I may not be here right now. Yeah. Like literally. Like in, in wrestling, I mean, I wasn't going to fucking do anything crazy. But um, if, if it wasn't for that conversation, I don't know if I would have been wrestling. And, and as far as like staying motivated during the pandemic, I really wasn't. Yeah. It was very hard. Okay. That's um, a really honest answer. Like, yeah, really, no, really, and, and, and really, really appreciate that. I feel, I feel like you guys <laughs> deserve common. it because because not everybody is like happy and sunshine all the time. Yeah. We're all we're all human. Even whenever I do like my social media, I try to keep in gimmick and warhorse, but mm-hmm. nobody knows what goes on behind that. So, just speaking about like so during the pandemic, obviously a lot of people might have seen you for the first time when mm-hmm. you wrestled in AW. A lot of people saw me <laughs> for the first time. Uh, myself included, to be honest. Um, so how, how can you talk a little bit about how that came about? Uh, so because of the Breeze Horse videos and Cody Rhodes had an open challenge at the time to where it was open to independent people. And at the time, I was the reigning IWTV world champion. And you guys know the streaming service IWTV? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's available over here. Yeah, it is. Um, but I was the champion there. I had more defenses than anyone ever had. I had just broken the record for longest title reign. Even with pandemic, I still had more title reigns than anyone, or more title defenses than anyone. I had the first international defense, most states defended in, stuff like that. Um, So I had like the credentials uh, or the credibility behind everything that I was doing. And then I had the videos and the character that it was like over the top and people had fun watching it. So it was very, word of mouth thing of oh this is the 
and this is like the guy of independent wrestling. Oh, he should wrestle Cody. And then I started quote tweeting stuff. And I think the first one is just like a pic- picture of me scratching my chin or like a video of me scratching my chin once he announced like open challenge available to anyone. So people automatically assumed that it was going to be me. They had never reached out to me at all. I just started like putting little teasers in there because it was fun and it was like getting traction on social media. And it's like, I'm not going to not get fucking traction on my shit. And then it it was getting me a ton of follows and likes and stuff. So it's like, I've got to fucking lean into it. Then the first opponent that Cody had was Ricky Starks, but they, uh, the half, half the people, once the match was over, half the things were complaints that I wasn't that it wasn't me on the, on the thing. And I love Ricky so much. Like we've been friends for a while. I've known him for probably fucking 10 years. Cause he was a Texas guy and he would come up to St. Louis. Oh, cool. Um, so we've known each other for a long time. And when I saw him after that, I was like, dude, I'm, I had no idea it was going to be, you. I'm so sorry. I wouldn't even have fucking tweeted that whole day. If I didn't know you were doing that. Uh, and he, he was, he didn't care cause he's got a fucking job. So he wasn't mad at all. But, uh, he got a video package and stuff. And they, they really showed you who fucking Ricky Starks was, and it was great, right? Then, another open challenge was, right before mine, was Eddie Kingston, right? That was a week before I did. And, yeah. and that shit was apparently pre-tape. So they at the time, they were doing like a pre-tape, and then they were doing a live. Well, Eddie's was pre-tape. Um, I'm, I'm moving a little fast. So I, st- I kept, kept up with it, kept up with it. Eventually, uh, Ethan Page texts me. He goes, hey, Cody's asking me about you like he i'm i'm gonna send him your number he wants to talk to you i was like oh fuck is he gonna tell me that's not terrifying at all is he he gonna (laughs) tell me to fuck off oh my god (laughs) i was i was half expecting them to be like please stop blowing up our social media (laughs) it's like i'm not doing anything i'm just posting pictures of me scratching my head what the fuck (laughs) but i get a text from cody and the first thing he asks is if i'm interested in coming in and then he asked if I have a contract. And it's like, if I had a contract, I wouldn't be fucking doing what I'm doing. <laughs> but uh, Cody is still, like, we stay in touch to this day. Uh, he's a great, great fucking guy. I like that guy a lot. Um, he's he's helped me more than, than I think even he realizes. But he had, he had no reason to give me a shot. He had no reason to give me a helping hand with anything. He, did, he didn't owe me a thing, and I feel like I owe him so much. Just as much as I owe the fans, I owe him. Because at the time, he was still, like, VP and whatnot, so he got to, he got to give, the, give the green light. Um, but they had Kingston come out, and it sucked because I was, like, thinking of a promo that I was going to do. And then Kingston did, like, his version of that same promo. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. And so, that promo got everybody talking. It did, well, it, like. it did. And so so Ricky got an a intro package. Kingston got a promo. When I got announced, it was through Arn Anderson, and it had that build and stuff. And, dude, oh, let me tell you, like, my family was a big NWA family growing up, so they all flipped shit when <laughs> Arn Anderson said Warhorse. But uh, I, I got there, uh, called the match with Cody – Jerry Lynn was our agent and Jerry Lynn fucking rules. So we put that thing together and um, the day before we get there to the studio, I wasn't nervous at all. Everybody was very accommodating and very nice. Tony Khan was talking to me about stuff and everybody was just really cool. And uh, I didn't get a promo or I I got a post-match promo that was put online. 
which I did the the promo that I wanted to do that was similar, very similar to Kingston's. Which looking back at it now, I wish I wouldn't have done a serious promo. I wish I would have done like more of a warhorse promo and got myself the fuck over, um, which was a mistake on my part. But it is what it is. But I didn't get a promo or a video or anything. They gave me custom music though, but um, post match they had. Uh, Matt Cardona come out, make the save, and they had me sell down because they had, like, a month-long feud with him, and they even told me, they were like, this isn't necessarily a tryout. We're just doing this because, like, the fans want it, and there's a lot of social media buzz about this. And so I found out that after after the match, we started getting the metrics and stuff together, apparently, like, over er, – uh, the following week, Cody messaged me and told me like a hundred thousand people changed the channel from NXT to watch the match. Oh, wow. So that's oh, a yeah. huge yeah. fucking deal. And <clears throat> as as much nice things as I have to say about AEW, because I love those guys to death and they've they've never done anything wrong to me, but I'm very confused why those fans basically twisted the arm of a multi million dollar company. I don't understand why they didn't roll with that. Yeah, yeah. Because they did it with Danhausen, and now he's doing it, big business with them. It was a bit of a head scratcher for me at the time. It was a head scratcher for me still yeah. to this day. And and as you can, as you can imagine, if they gave me custom music, like they there's like a bunch of people following me on social media from their company, and I assumed that I was going to get offered something, and I was I was very disappointed once it didn't happen as anybody would be i mean i don't mean to sound like an asshole yeah, or anything, that's just natural you know but yeah. but it's okay because i've i've learned from it since that maybe i didn't deliver the way that i should have people told me the match was good and cody liked the match but that doesn't mean that i stood out enough i i went in there with the mindset of I'm with the vice president of the company. I don't want to fuck this up. I don't want to hurt him by doing a head drop maneuver because that would look fucking awful. Mm. Um, so I'm going to do, I'm going to play it a little safe and just do what I know, which I probably should have like, I should have done a lot of things different. It made me realize that maybe I need to put, put some fucking, put some more work in. So, so since then I've been working on my body, getting in better shape. I've been, you know, doing tours over here and stuff. I have, uh, uh, by the time this gets out, I'm sure I'll have already trained with these people, but I have training sessions with Marty Jones coming up. I have, uh, I'm going to be training at the, at the snake pit so that way I can learn some catch wrestling stuff. Uh, myself, Davey Richards, Camaro Jackson, and Mike Outlaw, we've opened a school in St. Louis called Team Ambition. And working with Davey Richards for the past year has been fucking very helpful. So I, I realized that Tying that all together, I realized that maybe I wasn't good enough at the time. Even though the fans thought I was good enough, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm good enough for business, you know? Yeah. And that's that's a tough pill to fucking swallow, but it's okay. Um, so I swallowed it, and now I'm trying to get better and be the wrestler that I know I can be. And a lot of that is going to come through international travel and coming over here. And then I'm trying to open things up with Japan. I have a few leads over there. Once they open up, it'll hopefully be a big thing. And there's not a lot of like globetrotter wrestlers anymore. No. And I would love yeah. to be one of the first post-pandemic globetrotting wrestlers. And so far, so good. Yeah. But that's that's just going to add more seasoning to what I'm doing and more more credibility. And hopefully, by the time they're ready to do something, if they ever are, 
I'll be ready to like rise to it this time. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's kind of the. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know anything about that side of the business, but it always feels like with AW, like the doors sort of always a bit open. It's, yeah, because I've not wrestled like, like I've wrestled since then for them. I did the match against Andrade, which Cody set that one up as well. Mm. Um, and it was funny because uh, we 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 go out there, and it's in St. Louis, which is my hometown. But I feel like this reaction would have been anywhere because all the fans got me the match against Cody. So the fans don't just fucking forget things. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I think wrestling has the best fans because we fucking remember everything. Yeah. Like you are not going to pull a fast one on us. So when I when I walked out, the crowd starts going fucking ape shit, right? Andrade comes out. And so the people are losing their, their minds now because they're about to see Warhorse versus Andrade. They don't realize it's going to be a squash match. Like, it's fine. And I, I don't mind either because Andrade is fucking world-traveled athlete. Like, it was just a pleasure to fucking shake his hand, much less, yeah. like, wrestling. I had no <laughs> idea I was doing that that fucking day. I didn't know. I came down from catering, taking pictures, and then I see the board, and I'm like, holy shit, okay, all right. <laughs> well, buckle up, buckaroo. And so uh, Andrade does his entrance, and he gets in the ring, and we like do the opening spot or whatever. And then the ref comes over and is like, take it home. And I, I see the look on his face. He was very stunned. He was like, oh. and, and you could tell like he did not mean to eat up all the time with his fucking entrance. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have much in the match anyways, but I had even less after that. <laughs> so we went straight in. I mean, he's got to take like his entire clothes off. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, a, and the mask and everything. But like it was cool because they announced Andrade. Yay. And his opponent, Warhorse. Ah, it was fucking nuts, dude. And the best part, that building that we wrestled in was the building that I actually graduated in. Oh, awesome. That's so very cool. So it was very cool. But I mean, like I hope I hope that the doors always like that with AEW, and I would love to work for them again in the future. Um, but I've, basically, all, all the stuff that I've learned uh, while I was sitting there. Uh, not that night because I was very happy with everything and everybody, like I know most everybody on the roster and they've all been friends of mine for a while. But after that night, I went to try and do extra work the following Wednesday in Indianapolis. And I was just kind of, I didn't, I didn't get put on dark or anything, but uh, I was just kind of sitting there and I'm looking around and I'm thinking about how they do business there. And it's really how, how every wrestling company does business. Um, and I realized that I don't like the feeling that I need them more than they need me. Because if you look at the signings, it's Tony hires people that he needs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, even if they are ex-Fed, even if they are like top talent in Japan, he needs them because that's who's going to work fucking hard. Mm-hmm. So if, if I need them more than they need me, I'm going to be on dark forever. And that's not okay. In my mind, that's not okay, you know? And that and that's not a knock on dark or anything like that. That's business. And, you know, everybody needs a foot in the door somehow. But for me, I need to better myself, better my wrestling, better my promos, better my, my aesthetic, everything. Everything needs to be a total package. And then something will hopefully pay off. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a space. Yeah. yeah make, make them want need you. Exactly. Yeah. And that's just common business practice. That's how, that's how all this shit's supposed to work. How can you demand top dollar if you're not a fucking draw? Mm-hmm. You know? 
Yeah. Hopefully, nothing I'm saying is detrimental towards AEW, and they don't oh, no, <laughs> hear this no, no, no. fuck old horse. <laughs> I, think, I think it all came off very okay. Yeah. Good, because I because I don't I don't have any ill will or anything towards them after that. It's just you know it is a head scratcher, and mm. but it's it's business at the end of the day. It's business. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So moving on then, uh, what advice would you give to anyone who's wanting to get into wrestling? Um. Just find a reputable school. And I don't mean just like somebody with with an old vet who you've heard of. I mean like look into what they're teaching, how they're teaching it, who's active, how many people on that or in that school are actually doing shit. And I don't just mean like like local shows. So a good example is uh, my school. And, you know, I'm not trying to just promote Team Ambition School, but, you know, it but always if, you, helps. if you're looking for you a know, school. But, yeah, you know. I mean, it's myself and Davey Richards. Like, what more could you who, want? Who doesn't want to wrestle or get taught by Davey Richards? Dude, he'll kick you. Know? you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. But it's not just myself uh, who's doing stuff out of the younger crop of guys, but it's also uh, we have Tootie Lynn Ramsey, who she is uh, – She's a female wrestler, obviously. I'm using she pronouns. So. Uh, but she has wrestled for the NWA and does regular things with the NWA. She's also doing a lot of like upper-level indies, and she's traveling a lot. So it's like if she comes from our school, you can tell that something good's coming. Our coaches, uh, Mike Outlaw, he's the top. He's the champion of Glory Pro, which is the top, lo- like one of the top local promotions in St. Louis. Um, but he's also he's, he wrestles just like fucking Jerry Lynn, man. He's so good. And you can see, you can just tell this dude has his fundamentals down and knows how to structure a match. Then we have Camaro Jackson, who's just now starting to take off and and get flights and stuff places. And he's a powerhouse wrestler. And he's like, knows how to, how to put his stuff in and make it count. And then we also have some younger guys who are eager to will and willing and jumping in the car. And we're giving them opportunities outside of just our area. So we have like, Things lined up for them in Mississippi, Texas, West Virginia, Minnesota, uh, Indiana, Illinois. Like we, we are trying to help get our wrestlers out of our bubble so they get experience and they, and they learn quicker that way. And we run so many different types of classes during the week. So when it comes to trying to find a wrestling school, it's not just about who your trainer is because some old people just want to take your fucking money and they don't teach you too much and they don't help you learn how to how to conduct business or how to cut a fucking promo or how to get your gear to not look like shit so finding a good school that has reputable trainers looks like there's their their wrestlers on their roster traveling a lot and getting getting the much needed experience and then everybody's like very positive and uplifting because you don't want to walk into a hostile environment you've never been in, in wrestling before so that's that's honestly the best bit of advice I can, I can say is look into that and see what everybody at the school is doing and what that school offers you. But yeah, it sounds like great advice. It's, I mean, it's very similar to when like people go to like college or university, just try and make sure there's like a, a progression path and exactly. Like a, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned a couple of young wrestlers there. Um, is there any active wrestlers that you want to wrestle one day? Um, Obviously there is, but me like anyone, like bucket list sort of things. So I would definitely want to have a rematch with Mike Bailey. We wrestled in Canada and it was a very eye-opening experience for me as far because Mike came in so prepared for the match and I already knew his moves because it's fucking Mike Bailey. Um, This was when I first maybe 
right before pandemic 2020. So I just started getting momentum and shit, but he came in and he was so well studied and was able to throw, put everything where it needed to go psychology wise. And just, just such a step ahead of everything that it's like, it was such a learning experience. I would love to have a rematch and see what, what happens now. But as far as like anything else, I don't necessarily have a list of wrestlers that I definitely want to wrestle. And that's not even in a, selfish thing or vain thing i just don't think about it that way because my my job is to have the best match i can with anybody so if i focus on like three wrestlers that kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose yeah. you know yeah that's a cool way of looking actually no one's ever answered like when we've done interviews no one's yeah. ever answered like that way before and, and and the mike baylor would just be for my own like personal learning experience you've, like, got, you've got to have one that's it. you yeah. know you've got to you've got to give yourself one and i fucking love mike too he's a is he an impact now yeah he's an impact yeah. and he's still like apparently uh, at the time we're recording this, he has just gotten home from like a three week all over America trip. Just like, yeah. Cause he was like all over the collective. Yeah. He's, he, and... yeah, he's living in the States now, Yes, but he has been traveling nonstop for the past three weeks, <laughs> which sounds so incredibly not fucking fun, Yeah, <laughs> but he's doing it. Yeah. He's been like everywhere. Like especially over the collective as well. Like he was mm-hmm. on pretty much every show that I yeah, watched. It was like him and Davey Richards had like 10 matches a piece all over the collective then we had like blake christian wrestled four times in one day where he wrestled for like aw ring of honor fucking game changer and then maybe impact at their yeah. thing in one fucking day yeah it really felt like he was like big announced like his big like sort yeah. of coming out party this this wrestlemania weekend and and then did you see ninja mac yeah so yeah. ninja mac did the cool blood sports spot but on top of that he wrestled at fucking Ring of Honor, and then instantly, like thirty minutes later, he's having a match against AR Fox at the at the Collective, and it's yeah. like, how the fuck did you manage to get there in time? Much less call a match and shit. That's it's just very impressive. So those, as far as like MVPs of that fucking weekend, I would say it's Davey, it's Mike Bailey, it's fucking Blake Christian, and then it's Ninja Mac. Yeah. Yeah, because there was that. Oh, one. and Effie. We can't count oh, fucking no. Effie out. Effie. Oh, I fucking love we that man. Love, um, love him so much. He yeah. got in the ring with Suzuki. I mean, that, that. Dude, he, he, he called him a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because rules, dude. That, that day, like, I was literally watching, like, Supercard and then straight after Spring Break, and it was like, it was as if Ninja Max Suzuki and Blake had all just got into a car and just. Did they had there. to. <laughs> they fucking had to. That man, was in one hell of a car journey to see. I did see uh, Anita standing outside the hotel just smoking a cigarette for like the the high spots hotel because we were going there to just record videos and shit this was like a last minute add-on thing i didn't even know they were fucking doing it it's like man why didn't you guys hit me up about this convention but i should have hit them up but anyways i walked up saw anita standing out there smoking a cigarette in his leather jacket looking cool as fuck right i just nodded at him and he nodded back that's all we needed (laughs) that's all we fucking needed what else did you do in that situation? I don't know. Probably, I, so. I should have got a picture with him, but, but the <laughs> nod was just enough. Yeah. Um, so we just briefly touched on the collective there. Uh, how was it part of? How was it to be part of like the collective and the WrestleMania sort of like weekend festivities and what what kind of impact it had on like independent wrestling as a whole? Do you think? I think um, overall it's positive. However, we're still even America is still in a rebuilding phase um, to where. The, the shows, as good as the talent is, and everybody's working hard and wants to have the best shows possible, 
Um, I don't know that it's any better than it was in 2017 or 2018. Whenever guys like Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. and all those guys were just just fucking killing it, and like there was there was a lot of I don't know. It just seems different. You know, does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. like it's still it's still good, and there's still plenty of names and talent and stuff. But it's not. It's almost like the quality. No, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to shit on it. It's just like me personally i looked at it like it was a bigger deal then than i do now does that make sense yeah i suppose like with like the sort of start of AEW and like travel restrictions there's mm-hmm. a lot it, it's almost as if it's kind of like a showcase for like more like up and coming talent as opposed to yeah like it's, bringing in the marquee names there's still mm-hmm. a few big names there's always, yeah. there's, if, i mean I, i'm gonna use a, a very english analogy here, but it, it seems like as, as someone who goes to an indie company myself for like once a month we go to our local indies mm. it, it's, it's probably more so in America it feels like if, if you're in like if you support like a lower th- league football team in the, in the UK like you have your favourite players who are maybe the best players on the team and you support them and then all of a sudden like a big club will just come and sign them up and then they you know yes. they're gone and so it's a very, very similar <clears throat> thing like you'll have all your top stars on the indies mm-hmm. and then uh, the AW, WWE will swoop down or Impact will come in and sign them up yep. and then you've got a it, there's like that there's like that moment it's like a vacuum and it's like something you've got to sort of rise to fill it but it yes. takes a bit of time and and, and I think uh, the reason why it's it's not filled yet is because we're still coming back from pandemic mm. I think next year's is going to be killer because it's going to be out in LA and everybody's going to be fired up again like they were definitely fired up this time it just seems something seems off and I don't I don't quite know how to put it into words but um, I know I had a good time yeah. Uh, and I made sure to like limit my schedule to where I only had like one show a day, mm-hmm. and then I got like a sunburn at Six Flags, the amusement park, <laughs> and then like showed up to wrestle Big Damo. <laughs> I watched that match this morning, actually. Yeah, awesome. did you like it? Oh, it's so good. That's good. <laughs> I fucking love that guy, dude. He fucking rules. Yeah, I've I've never I didn't, met him, but I've seen like interviews. He seems like really upbeat. Dude, he was he was. I didn't <laughs> expect to like get along with him as well as I did. But we called the match, had it, fucking get back to the back. We're buddies now. He gave me his number and shit. <laughs> fucking, I'm I supposedly I have a show coming up with him, and I don't know which one it is, but I'm trying to keep it as a surprise because that shit's gonna be awesome. Oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> awesome. I just want to walk in and be like, <gasps> <laughs> um, right. I think that's yeah. I've worked my way through the questions. You got anything? Uh, no, I, think, I mean we're coming to an hour. It's been a, yeah. it's been a, it's been a, a long. It's been, yeah. a good, it's been a good yeah. deep cut. I never know when to shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, it's, it's <laughs> been awesome, cool, man. It's, it's been it's been great to uh, to you know to hear what you've got to say. There's been some some cracking answers there. If you've really yeah, uh, yeah, it's, yeah man. It's, it's been really good fun. Yeah, that's yeah. why I didn't want to do the voice because if I'm doing it in character, <laughs> you're not going to get the whole story. You know, you're just going to get the war horse. Hey, before we wrap it up, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to promote? Anything um, you got coming up? Well, I'm on. I'm I'm here till May 17th, and I'm constantly posting my schedule from week to week. And then, uh, tentatively, I know for sure I'm going to be back in October. Right now, the dates look like September 24th to October 26th, but it looks it could grow a little more just depending on when certain shows send me their dates and stuff. But I'm looking at coming back for another month. So you know that's good. Good for every fan that wants to see me. Good for places that want to book me or have me run a seminar or do a signing or anything like that. I'm definitely up for anything while I'm over here. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JP Warhorse. And if you feel like if you are a young wrestler or uh, just just now starting out, beginning wrestler, advanced, 
never set foot in a wrestling ring, anything like that. We do have a school in the United States called Team Ambition, where, like I said earlier, myself, Davey Richards, Mike Outlaw, and Camaro Jackson were all training classes during the week. We have catch wrestling classes. We have advanced wrestling classes, beginners fundamentals classes, a lot of conditioning classes. I run a promo class, so you can actually learn how to cut promos because something I found is not a lot of schools put emphasis on promos or character work or how yeah. to how to build a character and i feel like that's the in-ring stuff is a third of what we do in my opinion wrestling is thirds it's it's sorry i'll, I'll say this real quick and then i'll wrap it up i'm <laughs> so fucking sorry but it's it's your uh fundamentals which every school teaches uh then it's how you look and your aesthetic some people don't or some places don't have weight rooms and stuff right but then the third thing is promos and character which no schools fucking teach that. So Team Ambition, we have your uh, fundamentals and strength and conditioning classes. We have a full weight room, so that way you can actually focus on, on putting like looking aesthetically pleasing and getting in better shape. And we also have our promo classes, so that covers each and every piece of that three-piece puzzle that is becoming the best wrestler you can be. So I think Team Ambition is one of the best schools in North America right now, and... Uh, we're constantly growing, even with the space and stuff. We're getting ready to expand to having two rings. We have a tryout camp coming up, too. It's uh, May 21st. And, hold on one second. It's, we have, it's a two-day camp. It's worth doing. Hold on. I'm, I'm working on it. No, <laughs> shit, shit. I swear, stay with me. Uh, I should know this off the top of my head. I've, we literally threw the camp together right before I came over here. So I could advertise it on local radio. <laughs> and then so they didn't have it on the website right off the bat. So I had to like, <laughs> we, I had a bunch of people visit the website and then they didn't, they didn't have a link to click. Okay. So it is May 22nd and 23rd is our camp. So if you plan on going to the United States during that time, stop in do a tryout uh, or if you're already in the United States and you're listening to this, you know, come, come in. It's in St. Louis and, We'll, hopefully we'll see you there. Awesome. So yeah, before we wrap up, I'm just going to very briefly get some of my own shit in. So I have, I have, okay, I have, I have, go I have, for it. I have, sorry, I'll have two questions, um, just a very quick ones at the end. So obviously you, you've been you're based here in the UK for how many weeks? Uh, I have about four weeks left. So, so, you, so it's, it's a five-week stretch. So what made you choose Liverpool as a place to be based? Um, so I went through this guy, Nick Hughes, who is, uh, he just has a ton of connections. And without him, this trip wouldn't have fucking happened. Um, Cause he gave me the contact for uh, Paramount Pro and they are putting me up right now. And they, they've been more than accommodating. They've explained how travel works here. They've explained the trains. They've made sure to uh, get me from point A to point B to like certain shows and whatnot. So more than accommodating, I can't thank them enough both both Nick Hughes and and Paramount Pro. Um, if you're in the Liverpool area, definitely check them out. They have a show, what's this Sunday, the 24th, right? Uh, yeah, 24th. The 24th, and then they also have another show on uh, May 12th, and I'll be on both of those shows. So if you're in the Liverpool area, definitely come check us out. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, obviously, we're in top row brewing at the moment. You might have heard a few sort of odd noises in the background while we've been recording uh, today's podcast. Ho- hopefully it wasn't too bad. Just a little bit. On, on the listeners' end, a couple of trains going past a few. We've got some metal workers next door who are scraping some metal parts across the floor for some reason. Uh, so as we're, as we're here in the brewery, if we were to 
we, we talked about this very briefly before we started recording. If we were to say brew a beer for your return in October, yeah, what would what, what would the Warhorse beer be in Let, your mind? Let's call it the Thrashmaster General. Okay, that sounds I cool. Like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would, would you guys sip that? I'll put that on a post-it note. Yeah, yeah it, it makes me sound delicious, right? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. Any sort of idea on style? Anything you'd want it, want it to be? Any sort of flavor profiles you'd want? Or? Oh man, I don't know. It's gotta it's gotta be not gross. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've I'm looking forward to sampling your guys' beers after we get off of this because because it sounds from from what you guys have told me and from what what I've heard personally, it sounds like Top Rope Brewing has amazing fucking stuff. So I'm very much looking forward to trying it. Yeah. What do you recommend out of out of the catalog here? Uh, I mean, IPAs are always a good go-to, aren't they? Everyone, everyone loves, everyone loves an IPA. Yeah, all right. So we've got some, we've got some big, uh, big hoppy boys, which are always, yeah. uh, always go down pretty well. Can confirm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll have to give so those a shot. Keep, keep an eye out for the, for the top rope warhorse collab coming out. Hell yeah! For his return in October. Cool. Although we'll be, we'll be cracking on with that. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us oh, here today. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. Yeah, we'll do it again when you come back. Hell yeah! Of course. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it in the voice that time. Yeah, yeah. We'll do, we'll we'll do we'll like do a fifteen-minute uh, show. I'll give you all the bullshit faking. <laughs> Ninety minutes of just voice. Yeah. yeah just... <laughs> awesome. Thanks for uh, joining us. We'll see you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Warhorse, and you are listening to the Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Now shut the hell up and listen, or else I'll rule your ass. <laughs>